Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Cindy Croft, Director of the Center, and I'm here once again with our inclusion specialist, Priscilla Weigel. Welcome, Priscilla. Thanks, Cindy. So we're continuing our discussion on temperament, and mm-hmm. today we want to talk about two temperaments. We are going to talk about uh, adaptability and mood. Um, we kind of thought those were two that were related to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be a great pairing. So we, I want to just uh, kind of give a brief overview of these two temperaments. Adaptability, when we, when we look at that, we're really talking about how easily a child adjusts to um, the attempts to influence or change what the child is either doing or what they're thinking. So, again, we're looking at a spectrum from low to high, um, and just how easily a child adjusts, actually. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then when we talk about mood, again, this is really about um, kind of positive. On the scale, they, they, it looks at positive to negative um, and somewhere in between. So whether a child has lots of pleasant, joyful, friendly behaviors or if they more tend towards sort of crying behavior, if they're less outgoing, less friendly, tend towards maybe behaviors that we would see as um, more on the uh, unhappier mood. Yeah. So we'll look at these two today and as you're listening you may be thinking okay let me think about children I work with and their ability to make adjustments and even their sort of basic mood because again as we talked about early on children come to us wired a particular way but we also can make influences in both our relationships with them and then in our environment. And those will have a great influence mm-hmm. on their temperament. Sure. And I think when you look at a group, the, the children in your group, their temperament style can greatly affect how your days go. Right. Because if you have a lot of kids in your group who are in the middle of that adaptability range, where they're more easily, you know, easygoing or, oh, sure, I'll try that, or, oh, let's go over there. It's going to be easier to redirect the group. But there are times when, you know, teachers are overwhelmed because no one ever comes the first time they're called. Or, you know, they'll say that, I try to, you know, I offer them something over at the table or I offer this next activity and we make the transition and half the class or more than half the group is lagging behind because they need more prompts. Well, that that can lend to that whole adaptability on the basis of of what their temperament is as far as their their group is and that can change your group dynamic exactly and we've talked many times about how the early childhood professional is a detective and sometimes Mm -hmm. a child's temperament might be uh, in terms of adaptability it might be somewhere in the middle or maybe tend towards one of the ends but their life circumstances mm-hmm. have maybe changed. So let's say you're in an area that has seen um, turbulence. You know, I'm thinking of some of the 
natural disasters that have happened recently and other things, Mm -hmm. flooding and so forth. And so a child's ability to adapt can also be influenced by what's going on around them in their worlds. Maybe um, there's family situations that somebody's out of work or there's been chronic unemployment or something. Sure. And so again, when we look, we're looking at that environmental piece, it's not just our environment, but it's also what's going on in the child's uh, home life. Right. That can also affect, and maybe there that makes them less uh, adaptable. Adaptable sure. because they don't like change. There's been too much. Too change. much change, and that's why consistency on our part is exactly. so important. That we still provide that routine so that they can expect. This is going to stay the same, even though the rest of my world is falling apart. This is going to be the same. And also providing them with a lot more time to play. Because children use that play to work through those big dramatic life events. And you know, what we're seeing more and more in, in young children is the lack of the opportunities for that creative play. And, and it's critical. Yes. Because if they cannot work through it in their play... It just sits there inside of them, and they cannot cognitively and developmentally handle all that in their little people. They're just little people. So, exactly. So looking at that adaptability is really important in how we provide that safety net, that security. And a child who has a challenge with adapting to things, we have to look at how we're prepping them for transitions. You know, instead of saying, we're going to change from this to this right now, be ready. Don't, you know, don't even give them any prep time. We give them prep time. We say maybe they're the first one we tell mm-hmm. that the change is coming and finish up with this amount of Legos when you make that tower and I'll take the rest over here and so you'll be ready to go when it's time. Um, you know, just giving them the opportunity to prep for what's coming because it takes them maybe a while to do that. I like that notion of um, particular cues maybe with some mm-hmm. children who may need it. So. Right. They know the cue. We've practiced it with them. So whatever it is, whatever we've determined it is, maybe it's a, you know, it's a ha- uh, a hand on the shoulder. Maybe it's a particular wink, something. Mm-hmm. Sure. They know what it is, but that's the thing we practice with them that they know gives them. There's going to be a change now, so I'm giving yep. you a little bit of notice mm-hmm. that the change is coming. Right. Um, I, I like that idea, too, of the yeah. cues. I think it's really helpful for, for all children, but especially yep. for children who have are a little more on that low adaptability. Um, so tools like picture schedules, mm-hmm. that's huge because the child can say, oh, there's a change coming, uh-oh, that anxiety might start to build because I don't know what's coming next. Phew, I can just look at the picture schedule and I know exactly what's coming next. I can calm down. Or what's going to be for snack today? Oh, my goodness, I don't know. You know, you can put that right up there and just say today we're going to have this for snack. This is what we're going to do after after lunch because we usually do this, but today we're going to do something different. We're going to have a special visitor. or Just it, it gives them that prep preparation to accept what's coming in a little more confident manner than anxious manner. And that's what we want. I think you could explain this well to our listeners also, but a a picture schedule can be very easy to make and very simple. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be a commercial variety that costs a lot of money. It, 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 it can be very basic with the five, maybe five rotations during mm-hmm. the day. Or, you know, what have you seen that people could easily put together? Well, I think I've seen teachers or providers that have the kids make it. Great you know, idea. And even just, or take 
digital photos of children in your group doing the activities that are going to be on that picture schedule. Stick people. I mean, just as long as there's just that part of that picture, it doesn't have to be a Rembrandt. It can just be something really simple and straightforward that just is that trigger, that visual trigger to the child that just reminds them of what's coming next. And pairing the words with it is always great, you know, because they're, you're helping them with, understand print and and just that pre-reading, um, but it's it's not essential. Mm-hmm. And and the key is to have something that's movable, whether it's a Velcro sticker on both sides of a big red dot that just says this, is, or a green dot, this is where we are, or an arrow that they can move with a clothespin. It can be a lot of different things, but it doesn't have to be fancy by exactly. any means. Exactly, I like that, and I think that helps listeners um, so that they don't think, oh my goodness, how do I how do I begin this? It's right. overwhelming. Right. It can be very simple and straightforward. So I think that being being aware of the fact that you're pre- you're prepping children who have a little are a little bit more on the low adaptability those cues, expressing helping them express with words their feelings about changing an activity instead of just getting frustrated or ignoring the fact that they're supposed to be changing to just say you know what I'm not quite done yet. You can tell me that I can say that to a child. You can tell me if you want to keep working on it and we can set it aside. And we'll come back to it later. That'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I understand that you're really on, you know, you wanted to get all the yellows on that tower. We just don't have time right now. We're supposed to be using our gym time. We don't want to miss our gym time, you know. And, and so, and you don't need necessarily all those words for explanations either. Because if you've built in that ability for that child to share how they're feeling with you verbally or just being in tune to their body language, they're going to know that it's okay to say that, to just say, I'm not done yet. Exactly. Because there are many things that we do as adults exactly. that we don't want to be done, right, right, when somebody else tells us we have to be done. Right. So it's, you know, to take that perspective to working with children. Too. It's very respectful. And I like, we've said this before, too, but the whole notion of not starting to label children. This is, this is my kid that doesn't like change. Right, right. You know, right. Because it starts playing those patterns in their exactly. brain. It builds a pattern exactly. in their brain. And yeah. we don't want to internalize for children, I don't like change. Because, in fact, uh, that that's not exactly the truth anyway. Right, right. What they What they don't want to leave, perhaps, is a favorite activity, which, you know, could translate as they grow into something, you know, a, a love of a hobby or a right. love of a sport or something that becomes a passion. Mm-hmm. So we want mm-hmm. to encourage uh, that as well. There's right. just a balance that sure. we want to help children learn to be able to strike. And it goes back to what we talk about all the time is learning to regulate, learning to impulse control, mm-hmm. being able to make good choices, all right. those things. And, and looking at mood, when we look at, because we were going to pair kind of the discussion together here, um, you know, that how a child kind of behaves emotionally, I think, is is it's a challenge going back to that negative labeling. Oh, you're being so moody today. Well, you know what? Let's go back to looking at what's going on in their environment. Maybe life has been just in complete upheaval. So maybe we are seeing more crying and and maybe more of just not that joyful interaction with friends and, and activities and things. So how can we buffer that? How can we help with, besides just our consistency and our, and our um, follow-through, what can we do as a support person to help them cope with that? We're going to help them by increasing those pleasant interactions. We're going to set them up for success again. Say, finding that friend who maybe is a little more patient mm-hmm. and will be that person that puts their hand on their shoulder and say, it's okay, we can do it your way now, yeah. And just 
giving them that opportunity so that they don't feel like they have, they have to crumble into tears when exactly. things don't go their way or, or spend, spend the day just looking and feeling sad. And when a child looks and feels sad all day long, that's a red flag to us. Exactly. What can we do to help them so they're not there? Because you only get one childhood. Exactly. We don't want them to spend their time when they could be having fun and enjoying others feeling sad and, and overwhelmed. Exactly. And it's easy to feel that in our world today as a exactly. child. Exactly. And again, avoiding that label of, well, this is my... This is my grumpy Joe. Right, or, right. Gloomy you know, Gus. This is my gloomy <laughs> Gus, exactly. Yeah. But helping that child. Uh, again, honoring honoring who he, who he or she is. Mm-hmm. You know, some children come to us more reserved, mm-hmm. less likely to be enthusiastic about everything around them. Right. right. And that's who they are. And right. their mom and dad may be that way as well. Mm-hmm. Let's look at mom and dad and, you know, see, huh, okay, we know that it's a genetic uh, mm-hmm. tendency. And so let's see how we can build on those traits. Maybe this is a child that has more stick to mm-hmm. as well. Or, or what? Let's find the good in his temperament that we can build on, that we know um, can help him feel successful, sure. instead of thinking that this is a negative thing that we need to somehow build, get out of that child. You know, pairing him with somebody over here who's always enthusiastic. That that's not necessarily what that child right. needs. Yeah. You know, we yeah. need to instead make him feel good about. Mm-hmm. who he is and sure. why he's here and what he's really good at doing when he's right. here. And using activities that that child is interested in. Exactly. Let's say you know that they you know, really are interested in cars or you know, insects or plants and the root systems. You're going to have things out in your classroom that are in your setting that are going to allow that child to really delve into that because that's going to bring more joy and uh-huh. that's going to help them develop that, that passion perhaps and, and providing that with opportunities to do some interacting with children who are maybe not on the opposite extreme of the temperament scale, but maybe somewhere in the middle, closer to where that child is. And I think the balance for many of us as adults is not to minimize children's feelings, but also to kind of get them maybe to see a broader picture. Right. So that it's not every, you know, something isn't um, a doomsday scenario, but well, but look at how this could turn out. Right. Let's look at some of the possibilities here as well. Mm-hmm. So helping them maybe broaden their perspective without minimizing their feelings and also without devaluing who they are. Mm-hmm. That's the important uh, message here, I think. Right. Great, Priscilla. This is a. This is. These are interesting uh, temperament traits and they can be challenging for people working with children particularly again I think if you don't have that same temperament right right because you want everyone to be like you (laughs) right (laughs) exactly so it can be hard because we want children to you know have the same experiences or what we think should be childhood you know, experiences mm-hmm. that we feel are more beneficial. So we really have to step back yeah. and, again, think about each individual child Definitely. and what they need from us. Right. It's going to be different for every child. Right. Yes, I think that that's a good reminder for all of us. Excellent. Well, we're going to continue the discussion, and we hope our listeners will be back with us for our next podcast. Thank you, Priscilla, so much for your expertise and your stories. Well, it's always a lot of fun. All right. Thank you all. That's all for now. See you next time.